Thanks to Lightstream for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Pay off your credit card balances and save with a fixed rate credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Apply today at lightstream.com slash dreamjob. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. Can I just say how grateful I am for you? Can I just say how grateful I am that this is my work, that I get to talk to you guys and connect with you here and on Instagram and email and in the Made to Do This program and in our new Arrive membership, which started three months ago. It's just been such an honor. It's such a privilege to talk to you. And I am excited because we we talked yesterday, some of us on Instagram, and I said, what do you want more of? And you said, more coaching moments. I want to hear you coaching real people on the podcast and helping all of us to figure out how to troubleshoot and clarify what it is we want to do and how to find our thing and show up in this world and break through our imposter syndrome and our upper limit and do our work. And so I am here, I'm listening. And today we are going to play for you a clip of a recent hot seat that I did with somebody. And I hope that that will be helpful and enlightening because the truth is what's personal is really universal. And so I hope that that will be helpful and I will continue to bring you coaching moments like this. And I am also here to coach you. You know, it's amazing what has happened, but the made to do this program has just turned into a movement and it will be open again for enrollment in January. But in the meantime, we also have our Arrive membership, which now has over 600 incredible souls coming together. We did two calls together in the Arrive community this week. One was me doing some coaching hot seats. And the second call was when we bring on our guest expert of the month, which this month it was Jill Stanton. And it's fantastic. If you want to join us in there, you can go to kathyheller.com slash arrive community. But it's a great way to do something month to month and to just connect. Next month, our guest expert is Sherry Salata, who was, well, let's see. She, um, she had a small little role as executive producer of Oprah, president of Harpro, president of OWN. And then she went ahead to create her own podcast, her own platform. And she wrote a book called The Beautiful No. If you want to be a part of this community, if you want to have a group of people around you to support you, if you want me coaching you and you want to just try it out before Made to Do This begins, come and join us, kathyheller.com slash arrive community. We'd love to have you in there. And I'm here for you. So I want to know what else you want on this podcast. Do you want more celebrity guests? Do you want more Q&A time? Do you want me to interview local mom and pop you know, people who make jewelry, people who own a floral shop, people who are baking cupcakes. What do you want more of? Um, because I'm here for it. And what I heard loud and clear talking to you yesterday on Instagram was that you want me to bring more of these coaching moments. So I'm going to keep putting people in the hot seat and we will do that. And we'll dive into more of that today. And meanwhile, come join me on Instagram at kathy.heller because I'm doing a bunch of giveaways this week and I would love for you to get in on it. One of the things we're doing is giving away Amazon Fire tablets so that you can catch up and rewatch or watch all of Matthew McConaughey's movies. And we're also giving away a copy of his book as well as a copy of my book. So we're choosing winners every day. Go on over and you can join that giveaway. Okay. Now today, first I'm going to share with you a little bit about my experience at Dr. Joe Dispenza's week-long retreat last week because it was so life-changing, major paradigm shift. And I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. I can already feel my legs kind of feeling like jelly lately because I'm not busying myself with problems. I'm not chewing on making up issues in my life. And so I'm surrendering to more joy and it takes courage. It takes courage. And I will keep you posted on my own journey. Um, in one of my recent coaching sessions, I talked about what happened during the retreat, what I learned. And so I wanted to share this with you. I hope that you'll enjoy it. Take a listen. I'm so happy to be back. I'm really like buzzing from this journey. So I was away for six days and we meditated six to eight hours a day. And before I left, I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. But it was easy 
And it was easy because of what I'm going to share with you. And I think it's so powerful. I can definitely say that there was about like eight or nine moments in that week that were eight or nine of the most powerful moments of my life. You know, there's so many pieces to this work, but essentially it's, it's kind of simple. It's um, we are all searching for the mystical. We're here because we we've known it. We've known it all along. We can't touch it, but we know it. We know there's something here and um, we're hungry for it and it's our soul. And so it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's, it's so close that it's hidden in plain sight. And one of the things I shared uh, over the course of the week that Dr. Joe said to us is that, you know, it's so interesting. If you want to know why God is hidden, it's because he's in each and every one of us. And it's the last place we choose to look. So when you get in touch with your soul, you feel how effortless it is to be in a state of joy because all our soul knows is how to be happy because our soul is an extension of the master soul, the oneness, the singularity, the source of all things, God's energy. And it's pretty fascinating on the trip, we had scientists with us from the University of San Diego, UC San Diego. And they were studying what happens when we go into the quantum realm, what happens when we drop in. And you guys, you wouldn't believe what I saw with my own eyes on the data. But I saw this when I was at UCLA at the Mindful Awareness Research Center. They showed us some of this data. But what he's doing, the neuroscientists and the medical doctors um, that he has compiled now in this team, it's evidence that we can't question anymore. There was a woman at the retreat who had cervical cancer and she showed her scan and shared her story. And she started to do this work. She started to go on a hunt for the divine to connect down into her soul and meditate. And after just a few months of going all in, just going all in, she went back and the cancer was gone. And she showed us this second MRI. And then another woman stood up who had stage four uterine cancer and went through the same experience. And then another person came and there was a woman who had been deaf her whole life who started to do this work and she's hearing now at about 70%. She has about 70% hearing. She basically can hear everything. Disease is really dis-ease in the body and the body, it's not who we are, right? It's just the three-dimensional version of who we are. So, so we are energy and we are our soul, right? And we are connected to the source of all souls this oneness, this singularity, this goodness. And we get caught up in the hologram. We get caught up in the illusion that we are the story, the program. And that's when the disease starts to come in different forms. Sometimes it's just in anxiety. Sometimes it's just in suffering. Sometimes that suffering after a while turns into eczema or insomnia or God forbid heart disease or a million other things because there are certain um, proteins and certain chemicals that get released in the body when we're in a state of stress. And after a while, what we now know from the research is the body literally can't sustain that level of stress. But what we also now know is that when we come home to ourselves, when we really open our heart, really, really, really open our heart and go home to ourself and to that feeling of floating into that oneness, the body releases other things. And those other things are certain kinds of lipids and certain kinds of 
oxytocin and dopamine and what we've found, well, I'm not the we, but what, what we as human beings, what these scientists have found, it's, it's amazing. In February, Dr. Joe did a retreat with these scientists from UC San Diego and they were in Palm Springs and um, they decided to see what would happen if they took blood from people before the retreat and then after they wanted to study the plasma in the blood and they found that certain things were released into the plasma when people were having a coherent body-mind experience. And they hooked them up to fMRIs and they were able to see. And then they thought, what would happen if they took this plasma from people who had had this experience? And especially from the people who on the fMRIs show that they had the deepest connected meditation experience. And they wanted to see what would happen if they took the plasma of the blood from the after of the retreat, from the people who had the deepest meditation experience where they could see on the heart rate monitor that these people came into stasis, right? And they just thought, what would happen if they took the plasma of those folks from after this experience and gave it to patients with COVID? And it worked. There are certain uh, ways that the body responds. And essentially what we what we really learned then is that we have to be above our environment, right? Both in um, the physical form and in the emotional form. And the way that we do that is through really holding our energy in a sacred space. And so when we do that and we are at a frequency where, we're, where our body is literally producing immunoglobins, which are literally our own immunity fighting system, we don't have the same responses to things in the environment. So that's really, really powerful. And we were able to see that they showed us the, the slides of the cells. And when they inserted this kind of plasma into the bloodstream of people with COVID, they showed us the before and after of the cells. And it's just amazing. So there, there's so much happening. And we're so lucky because when I was at UCLA studying this same thing, this was a decade ago. And I remember them saying, you know, we're only 25 years into the study of even asking the question if mindfulness or meditation can help at all. And it's really compelling data. And that's one part of it. But I think for us, that's what's, what's even like more relevant to what we're doing, even though that's, I mean, it's just so empowering to know that that's out there. Um, but what's more relevant to what we're doing is that we really, really have to get that when we change our energy, we change our life, right? We change our life when we change our energy. And I've said this in so many ways. And I think anyone who's wrestled with themselves and gone down that dark night of the soul and overcome the uh, self-doubt to any degree, anyone who's dreamt a dream and started to see it come into fruition, we kind of, after a while, you kind of feel it and you get it, which is that it's not matter that changes matter. It's not what we're pushing that changes it. It's energy that changes matter, right? It's, it's the resonance. It's the energy. And so what we really want to understand is that we are creating our future with our energy every moment, every moment. So we have to kind of look at what's the program that's running on autopilot. What's the program. And when we wake up in the morning, we're running a program. Um, and we know that because if you look at the mind, only 5% is conscious and 95% is subconscious, which means that you are being run by your subconscious program. So we are wanting a new life. We are always wanting a breakthrough. We're wanting to create something new, but what we're doing is we are reliving and reliving and reliving our memory of the past and expecting the past and interpreting everything as the past and so we don't really get very far until we decide to do one really simple, brave thing, which is to surrender, to fully just surrender that story and that programming and drop into the unknown, which is an, creating space for a new possibility. And the only way that we're going to experience a new possibility is by surrendering this program and the reason we have a program is because we've learned how to protect ourselves, And so the more that we interpret things in a way that makes us feel, you see, they don't get me. You see, it's not going to work out. 
we've built that based on a past that we conditioned then ourselves to not surrender, to not trust so that we could maybe prevent something that happened at some moment, at some time. But all we're doing then is living and reliving the, the, the past. So we have to get that literally there's a magnetism in the world, right? Energy is like a magnet. And so when you walk in the room and somebody has enthusiasm and courage and they have an open heart, um, it starts to change the energy in the room. And actually what we've learned uh, through science is that if you put people in a room and you have like four, six, 10 people, 20 people, whatever it is, and you hook them all up to fMRIs and they're all coming in with a different feeling in their heart, if they sit long enough, they'll all eventually rise to resonate with the person who's vibrating at the highest frequency. So I remember hearing Oprah say that in her office, she had a sign that said, be responsible for the energy you bring into the room. And she said it was the biggest print she could possibly print so that people would really get that. But we, um, we run a program that tells us that we're a victim to our life and to our circumstances, but really and truly, um, if we are energy and if we are soul and if we are connected to this oneness, the source, the singularity, which is, which is God, right? However you want to call it, then really in that space, the most majestic, miraculous things are possible. And really it's just a matter of holding a vision of a new possibility and allowing yourself to feel the feelings of what that vision feels like. And then it's amazing how you just start to be a magnet for more of that. And then there's a synchronicity that just kind of shows up and it happens over and over again to the point where I think you're even starting to see, I mean, since the beginning of this program until now, I've watched as you are literally changing your energy. Like you come from a place of this is possible. This is not possible. This is who I am. This is who I'm not. And as you do things and you take action, what you're doing, see, the more you show up for class and the more you show up for an assignment, what that's saying is you're believing in a possibility. So you're showing up for it because you're believing that it might just be possible that there's something on the other side. And when you do that, you crack that heart open just an inch and boom, you're led to something and you go, what was that? And then your energy starts to change and you start to vibrate at a different level and you start to cross this river into the unknown. But it's the journey into the unknown because it has to be unknown. The reason it has to be unknown is because the only thing that's known is the program, is the constant reliving of the past. That's what we know. So of course, it's going to be on the other side of the river of change, which is scary because it's unknown. But that's when you know you're getting close because you're dropping into this feeling of, I don't know what's coming. That's great because that means you're getting out of the conditioning of the program. But truly, you know, we're looking outside of ourselves all the time for the answers. But the redemption comes from this work. So every day, I mean, really and truly, like I think we all should find whatever works for you, whether it's taking a run or sitting down and meditating for 20 minutes or listening to something or dancing it out. But we've got to shift our energy every morning so that we won't run the same program. And we want to be conscious of what it is that we're going to continue to look for evidence of, because then we'll find it. You will find evidence of whatever you believe is true. And so if you, if you start to open your heart to a new possibility and to hold the frequency of what that's going to feel like, you're going to see evidence of that everywhere. And then you're just going to see more of it. And you're going to attract more of it to you. And you're going to come up with new synchronicities and new surprises. It's just how it goes. It's just how it goes. And um, it's not easy. It's not easy to open our heart. It's the simplest, most difficult thing. But I think we have to have a tremendous amount of compassion for ourselves and then make that decision every day that we're going to open our heart and sort of like, you know, ask ourselves to wake up from the dream and step back into the possibility. Because it's, it's kind of amazing. I mean, even in Gay Hendricks' work, he talks about the big leap and the upper limit and 
It's kind of amazing just how much we've conditioned ourselves to believing that we can't really feel good all the time. And what we learned is that it's really an emotional addiction to suffering. And we're literally addicted to it. It's like heroin. We've done it so many times that when we don't feel shame, when we don't feel guilt, when we don't feel like a fraud, we don't know who we are. It feels so much more familiar. And so when we start to step out of that program, there's a part of your mind that says, what are you doing? You can't have it all. You can't feel this good. There's the shoe's going to drop. Something bad's going to happen. Your soul completely disagrees with that. You know, when you really get quiet and we've all had these moments where it catches you off guard, but you, you let go of the programming and you just feel so good. And you come home to yourself in the deepest way. All that part of you knows is how to live in a state of love. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, what would love do? It's like, love doesn't judge anybody because it can't, because it's love. You know, it doesn't feel divided from anybody because it can't, because it's oneness. Like, and the other thing that I learned, you guys, which is really, really cool is, you know, for me, I think we all dance with different pieces of our own version of, of the devil. You know, we all have these parts of ourselves that kind of try to take us down And I think one thing that I come across in my work and I I hear people say it is like, I don't want to be too big. You know, if I'm so big, you know, somehow that feels wrong, you know, like who's, who am I to be so big or what does that take from somebody else? But if we're really one, right. If we're really all manifestations of this oneness, the same source, the same singularity, the same goodness, right. If we're all rays of the same sun, then when one aspect of that is big, everyone else gets bigger, right? The more you rise, you just vibrate into the field of everything. We're all connected to that same field. So it's such a gift, right? And it comes from a place of humility in that way. And then we all together, we all together as a collective are just continuing to expand and to rise higher and to vibrate higher, right? And so- it's the opposite of feeling an ego. It's humble. The more that you rise, the more that you serve, the more that you give. And the other thing to know is that what's really fascinating is like how we love is how we're loved, right? So it's like the more we truly open our heart, the more that just comes back. And the greatest way that we ever receive is from serving and loving and and giving to other people. And so when we make it about them and not us, it feels so good. It feels so good. We did these, um, Dr. Joe calls them coherence healings where, you know, he had all of us outside on the beach, just do this like walk. And we all had him in our earphones. So we're all listening to him at the same time, you know, synchronized. And uh, we're walking down this beach And he's just reminding us to tap into the healer in all of us, you know, that we all have this ability to heal another life, to love someone into life. So beautiful. And so we walked and walked and he, you know, he got us in that state to prepare us for what he calls these coherence healings. And then we walk in this room and there's mothers there who have kids who have uh, epilepsy and there's uh, people there struggling with stage four cancer. And there's people there struggling with, um, blindness and all kinds of things. And we as a collective sat in a circle and like attuned our hearts to one another. And then he said, just what do you have to lose? Just go all in and just like connect to one another and then turn that energy towards these people. What do you have to lose? Just give them that. And um, people reported that they felt better. And, you know, there's not an immediate We don't know anything immediate, but what we do know is that he's been doing these healings over the last years. And then we were able to see and hear people like just share their testimony of what happened. And um, it's just so counter to what we're taught. Like we're just so taught that, you know, in order to make things happen, you have to move your body and hustle and push and that we're not connected and we're in competition or that we can't be big or that, I mean, we're taught all that we're like, God, like we absolutely are not taught that like we can heal one another just through like the power of connection and you not at all, you know, 
but it's really, really compelling when you see the evidence and you see scientists there like standing there just saying like, this is just what's going on in the lab. Like, and they got this huge grant when they showed all that evidence about the COVID huge grant. And all of a sudden people woke up and said, we're ready to try anything right now. Let's give you guys some money. And so they're, they're taking people into meditations and then taking plasma from them. And they are seeing people respond. And that is just ridiculous. And what if it's that easy? What if we have the answer? What if all those movies, what if the Star Wars and all the dreams we've had and all those little moments we thought that might be the way it is, but we were conditioned not? What if it really is the truth, right? That like, we are so powerful. It is just beyond. So, and then, you know, the nicest part of the whole thing is that sometimes you listen to someone and you, you open your heart and you want to trust them and you think, ah, eh, but well, they're going to turn out to have some kind of ego or be slimy in some way. He's like us. He's just like a nice, really nice person. He like wears a t-shirt and he sits there on a, you know, on a stool and like talks like this the whole time. And he says like every eight minutes, I love you guys. He's like, I saw you just now. Like he'll call people out. He's like, I want to just come over and kiss your face. Like I cried so much because of uh, just the goodness, you know, just the goodness. So I just feel called to keep doing my work. And I hope you feel called to keep doing your work as we are really needed. And I have to tell you what a gift it was to be there this week when the world was just so polarized, so in the division. And here we were, and he was just such grace. He was like, you know why I chose this week? For this exact reason. You know, he goes, you know how you vote? Vote with your heart. That's how you vote. You wake up every day and you vote with your heart and you open it up and you love another person into life. And you know how you do that? Starts by loving yourself. And it's so easy, you guys, to love yourself when you really come back to who you are. This story is just made up. It's just a program. And it's time to let it go, right? It's time to literally like let it die. So the absence of an emotional addiction, it's just called pure joy, right? That's what it is. And this is the work. This is the work. And so, you know, I've done lots of things in my life. I spent two years living in Jerusalem, studying all this like mysticism. And I spent a couple of years at the Mindfulness Center at UCLA. And I've done tons of different retreats. I went to onsite last year. I mean, I've been doing this work, breath work. I spent time at Unplug in Santa Monica. I'm constantly seeking to get closer to what's really true. And what's beautiful about coming home from this is that I know coming home from this, that this is just where my work really begins to get deeper. Like it's not a, that's it. You came on this thing. It's like, no, no, now go home and wake up every day. And now you know what you're sparring off with every day and you're aware of it. And you're going to look at it every day. You're going to have a reunion with yourself every day, every day so that you walk into your future every day instead of walking into your past. So I want you to be defined by a vision of the future, not by a memory of the past. And really know, like, it lives in you. It lives in you. The mystic, the mystical, you know, that light force, that goodness, it lives in you. So how dare we feel imposter syndrome? You know, it's like, you guys, if just connecting to your heart. If it's possible that a person simply sitting with themselves and coming into coherence where we drop the spinning thoughts and we just get into that moment where we breathe deeper and we connect to what's real and we start to see this oneness or whatever that feeling is. If just that alone is able to help someone through COVID, right? If just that alone is able to make a difference for somebody's body, that's dealing with a cancer, then you don't think that your goodness and you tapping into your truth is going to light a path for someone with what you're doing? Of course it will. That's all it knows how to do, right? So it's us that gets in the way and we have to choose that. We have to choose that. And so we have to surrender the limited self. We just have to surrender it. 
And I know it's not easy because it's a story you're telling yourself and it's who you're pretending to be to the point where you believe it, but you're pretending because it's definitely not you. When you were created and you were, you know, came into being, you go roll the tape back to that first second, you know, your parents conceived you. What happened? It's just pure fire, pure life force, pure energy, just perfection. You know, you see a baby, people can't stop smiling or crying because it's just unlimited goodness, right? There's no limitation. There's no self-doubt. It's just the face of that being smiling radiates, right? Everything else is soothed by it because it's connected to the truth. But here's the thing. We can't see greater than how we feel. What we know is that no new information can come in greater than how we feel. So it's like, if you're ever trying to rationalize with your four-year-old when she's having a temper tantrum, she can't in that moment receive it or hear it because she's in a state of feeling all worked up. So when we're stressed and when we're in a state of doubt and when we're feeling bad, we can't receive right? We can't see greater. We can't see greater than how we feel. So we have to drop in. And that's, it's a practice because we've been so conditioned to sort of pull away from that. And it's interesting. He asked us, he said, how many times have you been walking forward, but then you give up on yourself and you shrink back into something that's like mediocre? Yep. We all do it. And then what do we do is we find people who are also choosing their pain and we, we allow that to give us more reason why it's probably true. And we choose the old program. But I mean, if you just are honest with yourself and you think about sort of in your day, you know, would you rather feel guilt or would you rather feel surrender, trust? Like what are the feelings you want to feel every day? And then when you're really honest with yourself, it's like, what do I want to condition myself to be feeling every day? What do I want my life to look like? Or do I want to like give myself the gift of this life and make it just feel so good? Yeah, yeah. What do you want to feel every day? Joy, freedom, right? So how do we feel that? How do we feel into that emotional response in the morning before we start the day? Give that to ourselves and really hold the possibility that our, our future is just more of that. Wouldn't that be cool? Before we keep going, let's just thank our sponsor. If you're like most people, you have a balance on your credit cards and a higher rate of interest than you would like. With Lightstream, you can turn those balances into one monthly payment at a lower fixed interest rate and start saving money. The rate is fixed, so it will never go up over the life of the loan. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with absolutely no fees. And you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. That is exactly what they deliver. Refinance your high interest credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates start at 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. I think it's really cool and I love that the application is 100% online. I looked on their website and tried out the application process. Not only was it convenient, but it was also super quick and easy and gave me really clear information about what my loan rate would be. Our listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash dreamjob L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash dream job. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash dream job for more information. Okay. And now we're going to switch gears a little bit and I'm going to share with you a hot seat. I did this coaching with one of our members in the Arrive community. And if you join Arrive, you do get these moments for one-on-one hot seats. So go check it out, kathyheller.com slash Arrive community. And so today you're going to hear me talking with one of our members, Carolyn Edge. She's an incredibly talented paper artist. She makes the most magical pieces of art, but recently she hit a crossroads and she wasn't sure where to pivot. So during one of my Q and A's in the membership, I had the chance to talk it out with her. Take a listen. Carolyn, let me hear it. What's going on with you? How are you? Excellent. (laughs) Good. I'm so glad to chat with you. I did your last round of me to do this. Um, And I do the paper quilling art. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Okay. I want to pull up your Instagram while we're talking. Yeah, it's Edgecraft ATX. I love it. Thanks. It's so gorgeous. So one thing that's actually 
new as of today um, is my partner and I have been thinking of living the total mobile lifestyle and getting a camper and just traveling around the country. So we actually put a deposit on one yesterday. And, you know, part of this is like thanks to you and your, you know, work on your own terms and all of that. And um, he's working on his own terms as well. He's suffering. Yes. One of the weird things of COVID has made us mobile. Like he's a therapist, but he's been seeing his clients on Zoom. So it's like, why not see them from the Grand Canyon or whatever? But anyway, I'm now like, what do I do? Because like, I might be able to take all this stuff in the camper, but it's like, my supplies are a lot of stuff. <laughs> so I'm like looking at a big pivot here and I'm feeling kind of like back to square one. And I don't know if it's something that I should like keep, if I'm getting momentum with this, if I should try to find a way to make that work or just totally pivot to something different. I'm kind of at a crossroads here. What's in your heart? Your heart is your creative center. What are you excited about? When you take away the how, you leave that up to God, let him do his job, and you go into what feels really good and what makes you feel alive and trust your enthusiasm. What's the thing that makes you feel most excited? Um, I love doing this paper quilling and it really lights me up. And I think the thought of not doing it anymore feels heavy and constrictive. Okay, so what if we trusted that? Okay. So let's talk about it. So what could be, what could be the offer around that, that would make it actually move Mm -hmm. and grab some energy? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I started to think today about doing uh, like workshops as I travel. There it is. She got (laughs) it. Everybody give her some energy. (laughs) Give it up. That's where my mind was going. All right. So let's talk about that. Okay. Because I hear, you know, I love Amy Tangerine and I know you bring her up as an example a lot of traveling around doing like scrapbooking classes and things like Correct. that. Correct. Can you believe seven figures just making stuff and making people happy and corralling people to make their own stuff? Hmm. Look at that evidence. So let's talk about it. What would that look like to do a workshop? I would roll into a town and be like, hey, I don't know who I would connect with, but <laughs> connect with all of you all over the country. <laughs> Okay. Hosting a pop-up. I don't know. I, had, I don't know the hows of like any of this or what that would look like. Okay. What about making it even easier, even simpler? Can you do a workshop sitting where you are in your pajamas? Yeah. Okay. Let's reverse engineer that. So if you wanted to create a workshop on Zoom and everybody got to make their own yes, mm-hmm. which I love. So then how would that work? So this is one thing that I have been working on is getting like supply kits that people, cause I do this art form a little bit differently. There are like different tools and certain papers that you get. And I decided I didn't like those tools. I didn't like that paper. I cut my own stuff and the paper I use, everything's a little different. So I can't just be like, go buy these things. I kind of have to supply it to people. Let's um, talk about that. You're able to find it, right? Yes. But I like, I cut the strips myself and all of that. From where? From my house. What do you mean when you say you cut it from yourself? What do you have to buy? A roll of what? What are you buying to cut it from? I buy, I buy paper and I use my Silhouette Cameo, which is not something that people have or not like everyone has. So what version, if they don't want to be necessarily making money from it, but they want to make their own amateur version of it, mm-hmm. do they need that exact paper and that exact Silhouette Cameo or can they use something else? They can use something else. I mean, the the paper that I use, like I said, is just different. It's like thicker. Like the most that you can buy that's pre-cut is like just really flimsy. Um, and I think that's part of what sets my pieces apart is that I use different materials. Um, okay. I also use maps. One of the things I do is I cut up maps and then I make like a state with that, the maps from that. Um, and those have been like my bestseller actually. Are there places that supply those maps that you have a link to that people can buy them? Yeah. And then, I mean, people can cut their own, like with just like good old scissors and it doesn't, ha- you don't have to have fancy supplies to cut it. Okay. So what, what if we move from that place? Okay. What if we move from that place? Let's, let's pretend that not everybody is John Grisham and they're not going to write a New York times bestselling novel. So they don't need the best pen. They don't need the absolute best typewriter. They just want to start to even move some words around a page. They could use any pen, right? They don't need to worry about it. Right. So what, would it look like? And what's the real outcome, right? Like if, if you're doing what you do, right? Like with Amy, with her 
what do you guess if you're just taking a good educated guess, just a guess, what do you think the intention is when she's showing people how to do hand lettering? Do you think she's trying to help people, you know, become an influencer, making money with their hand lettering? Or do you think she's just trying to create space for people to be creative and play and all that? What do you think? I think probably the, the second one, just creating space and creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's a, a need for that, right? And creativity is fun and we pay for things just because they're fun, right? Yeah. So if we were going to create a workshop and we took away the obstacle of people needing particular supplies mm-hmm. and we could just put it out there. Now, let's say that workshop was going to be a couple weeks from now. What would you guess you might do between now and a couple weeks from now to let people know about it? I mean, all the things that Instagram and the social media and I theoretically have my email list going, but (laughs) struggling there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, all those things y'all taught us with marketing and all of that. And then I'd be getting ready the design and teasing videos and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And maybe you could do some kind of a dialogue where in your polls, you could show people a couple options of what you could make in the first workshop, let them vote on it, get them excited about it, share your enthusiasm for it. Um, Maybe even make, you know, the first workshop at some really low price just to get people in. Or even the first workshop is like just a taste. Maybe the first workshop is actually the lead generation. It's just free. And at the end of it, you show them a path to join you in something that's longer, something that's maybe got a few pieces to it. It's six weeks, it's three weeks, it's six months, it's got this, it's got, you're going to make these three things or whatever it is. And you just try it and offer it to them at the end. We don't have enough data to make a decision yet. So it's all good. Either way you chose right now would be such a productive use of time. Yeah. What What do you think? What I've been leaning towards with this, with teaching it is creating, like the idea was kits and then a tutorial video that I record ahead of time. Just, I was thinking about my capacity right now, knowing that we're leading up to the holidays. Orders were crazy busy for me last year and I'm imagining the same. So like the pull on my time, the bandwidth for me to be live with people, I think is maybe something I would explore like in the beginning of the year. But right now I had decided to do, um, a little kit, a little tutorial that I record a video and then it's basically passive income at that point, or at least very low, like the video is evergreen. And then when they order the supplies, I just box that up and send it out. So it's not pulling on my time as much. And I, I kind of pulled my audience of whether they would have a live course or a recorded video. And the recorded video was kind of the leader at this point. Um, how many, how many people voted on each one? Um, I don't know. I pulled in a, kind of a couple places. The response was more that people were like wanting to like try a taste of it rather than diving into a big commitment. I think Right. Uh, so know. what needs to happen is we can't move into the space of passive income until we really have that no like and trust factor. You really made that deposit. It's kind of like a, a secure attachment with your kids. I just went away for six days so I could be away and they can still feel me there because we have made those deposits, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm not there and then I go away again, they're not going to feel that pull. That's the problem. So I don't do a ton of stuff like that yet either in my own business. I feel like where energy goes, attention flows, and I want my energy to be there. I don't have a passive product. This is as passive as I, I am arrive. And I'm still here twice a month, right? Um, because I feel that what people really want is to feel held and seen. And when you say you don't want to pull on your time, I think it's short money. Cause I think the long money for you is that it's less time for you to be in a position where you're teaching, especially um, even if you're teaching live, I'll tell you why, because you don't then have to be paid to make each of these things. Instead you're being paid to teach other people how to make it. And with the holidays coming up, And with it being what it is, imagine how many people might want to make one of those for someone for the holidays Mm -hmm. because it's personal, because it's cool, because it's something that people can't buy for themselves. Right. And people are always asking, like, what do you get for somebody on Christmas? There's like people have everything. And apparently this is going to be the biggest shopping online shopping ever. Right. So, you know, and because people are not going to be spending the money on traveling or flying, actually, it's going to be the economy is going to do really well this Christmas. And there's going to be a lot of things bought and sold. 
And I wonder what would happen if instead of that, they bought the time with you and the story you told was maybe a couple, you showed a couple demos of something that someone might really love for the holidays, or you helped them through a process of selecting the word that would be perfect for the person that they're making it for. And you go through that first, and then you select the word, whether it's yes, or possibility, or joy, or magic, or magnetic, whatever the word is, that's the first part. And now you're really not just selling them a product, you're selling them this experience, right? They're diving into something deeper and then you show them how to make it and then they give it to someone. And now they're not just investing in a process and in learning something, but now they gave it away and they open their heart and then they love the experience. They want to do it again. And maybe you have a different one for every holiday and it starts to change and they can make something different or maybe every month. They can make something for someone and select the word and go through that process again and then make it and then send it off. And it can be a membership, right? Where people want to be a part of that. Yeah. So I, I've been thinking about the same things around like these could be good Christmas gifts or holiday gifts and, you know, things like that. But I I thought maybe people would be more inclined to buy these kits that they could send someone for them to make because, you know, part of it is like, we're still like in a lot of us are at least semi lockdown. And I know craft kits have been really big. It's like the experience of creating something at home too. So I thought those would make good gifts, but I hadn't really thought about the marketing it like something they could create to give as a gift. And I I think in my mind, I was like, I was wanting to offer like a a variety, like you can make this, 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 or this and like choose the design. But I guess for the, like the live workshops, it would really, I think part of that feels limiting to me that it would really be like one design that I'm offering. Right. And, or at least like one that I can do at a time. Yeah, I don't think it's limiting though, because I think the biggest thing that we see in the data from people is that they feel overwhelmed. So it's actually by making it less, you actually give them a chance to feel like they can accomplish it. People don't know what they want. So menus are actually challenging. But when we say, this is what we're working on right now, it's kind of like sitting your kindergarten class down in the morning and saying, we're going to do the calendar, we're going to look at the weather, and then we're going to do this activity, and that's it. We're going to work on this paper mache. And that's it. It's like, it's very soothing and it makes us feel it's like we can accomplish this one thing. And what you know how to do in your sleep with your eyes closed, they're just beginning to even wrap their head around what the heck you're doing. So you could pick anything. It could be a turtle. It doesn't matter what you're making. It's just, they need to start to first, just like even understand the technology of, of, of starting to connect with that process. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have it right there. I don't think there needs to be any obstacle. The reason I caution you into the making of the kits is because first of all, there's a lot that goes into it. So the margin of what you make gets smaller, right? And there's a lot of pieces to make that happen. That's number one. But number two is that in order for somebody to sell a kit, without them. Like you said, it sounded like what you said is, well, it sounded like what my audience said in the end is they just want a taste of it. What they're saying is before you're going to go watch the movie and buy the ticket, you need to be really familiar. You've seen that preview eight times. You heard somebody went to it. You know what the little toys are at McDonald's that they're selling along with it. You have a familiarity with this movie. Before you go and buy those new sneakers, you have a familiarity with the brand. You've bought in emotionally. There's a no like, and trust factor. So even with that, even if you are one of the most successful brands, people still will spend more money on an experience than a thing, Okay. right? Because a a thing is limited, Mm -hmm. but an experience is unlimited. Mm -hmm. So you'll spend more money. Look at it this way. If I'm going to go see Jason Mraz in concert versus buying his album, it's going to be 15 bucks for the album and $96 for the ticket. Mm-hmm. One is a two hour experience and one is something I can listen to for hours every day. And yet one costs $15 mm-hmm. because the experience is an unlimited resonance. It's energy. Yeah. And so it, it's worth more. And so the more you just keep diving into experience and what people really want, which is to play, right? And anybody who'd be in your audience who's interested in what you're doing, mm-hmm. what's the problem that you're solving for them? Is it that they need a kit or is it that they're in the wonder of how you do what you do and they love creativity? And so they really want to be closer to creativity. What problem are you solving? So I want you all to understand this. When you go into business, what you're doing is you're selecting an audience 
and you're going forward with choosing a problem that that audience has, and then you're going to relieve tension for them. You're going to just put yourself on the line, put yourself on the hook to relieve tension. So you're going to make this experience or this product or this program that you are betting is going to solve the problem for this particular audience. That's what a business is. And then what you do is you consistently warm up that audience and tell them that story. You're who I'm serving. This is the problem I'm betting you have. And this is what I'm doing about it. And that's what you do all over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the reason you're in a state of confusion is because there's a little bit of taking your eyes off of them. And when you go back to them, it's like, what might they want? What might they need? What might their problem be? And how can this solve that need? And I think you're right there. I think you're really close to it. Yeah. Cause the, the whole reason I'm even like looking at teaching me is like, this is not something I've actually really ever wanted to do. It's something I resisted for a long time. I'm like, I'm the artist, I'm the maker. And then going for me to do this, as I started getting more traction on my work, I had a lot of people asking me to teach and I'm like, okay, I feel like now I'm, it would be coming from a place of responding to a need. So I'm trying to follow that talking a little bit about, you know, the price of experience and all of that. And that's something I've struggled with as well. Like when I price a live class more than I would charge, you know, like if I'm charging $150 to make this, there's like, there's part of me that thinks like, yeah, I should charge more because it's my time and it's my expertise in teaching them. But then the other part of me goes like, as a consumer, I'd be like, I'd rather pay less to have them make it. Or you know what I mean? Like I'm charging people more to have them essentially do the work is what it feels like to me. So I don't really know whether to price this higher or lower than my work. Well, number one, there's a market for everything. So there's already a market that exists that you can start to do some research around. What do people pay for these kinds of classes? Who's similar to me that's doing this, right? And then what does that look like? Okay. So if somebody is paying for something that's done by the expert, would they pay more to learn how to do it? I don't think so, because they would be investing in how much they believe in themselves and not investing in you and that thing. And they're going to hit their resistance. But the reason you'll make many multiples of what you make for selling it is because for every person who buys it, there'll be a line of 50 people who want to know how you made it. So I'm not worried about you making quadruple, you know, quintuple. 16x, 20x what you're going to. So when I was a songwriter full time, I would sell a song or license a song rather for let's say $75,000 to KFC to use my song, Let Your Color Shine. If I was going to teach someone how to write that song. I couldn't charge them $75,000. Okay. Yeah. That all makes sense. Okay. So it's banking on the like the multiples, like selling exactly. it a little point, but getting 10, 20, 30, however many people. And then that's. Exactly. And what's really going on here is a pain point that a lot of makers have that I want to help you around right now. This is your resistance, which is our identity is, is precious to us and it's important and how we see ourselves matters. And so when we see ourselves as a maker and then we have this idea of, pouring into other people and helping them make things. We might have a story associated with that, that somehow that makes us less of a maker. And now we're not being ourselves. And so I don't know about you, but if I saw two paths and one made me feel like myself and one made me feel like now I don't get to be myself, I would resist it. So I did that for about six years. And that was a big missed opportunity And I kept digging my heels in and saying, but I'm a songwriter. I'm a songwriter. I'm not a teacher. And then I said, what if I just surrendered to a greater mind, to a bigger path? And what if instead of saying, this is who I am, this is who I am. What if I opened up my frequency to say, I'm a person who serves, period. And however I can serve, however I can contribute, I'm available. So I started to teach this songwriting class which felt really like I was trying to scratch that part that it's hard to reach. It just felt like I was like doing it, but was I really pushing myself out of my comfort zone? Cause I wanted to be a maker so badly. And lo and behold, three months in to teaching that class, one of my students says to me, you should start a podcast for all people who want to have their dreams. And I went, Oh, hmm. there I am again on stage getting to use my voice. 
And having a podcast in many ways is like having a talk show or a TV show. So when I'm doing the show, even though I'm pouring into people, I really feel in many ways like I'm getting to like be a maker, right? Because I'm speaking and so many opportunities came from that. And then I got a book deal and I got to become an author, right? And then I got to be creative and make all these new programs. And then I got to see other people make things. And then I just realized that it was all just a hologram. It was all just an illusion. This idea that like, I'm this, but I'm not this. We just play it down. We just forget that our soul, it's kind of like asking the question, what would love do, right? What would love do? Love only knows oneness and goodness and joy and all that. And it doesn't say I'm this, so I can't be this. Like that's just division. And and that's not going to help you stay in the flow. So what I realize is if I just keep saying yes, to being in service, I knew I wouldn't lose myself. And I knew that it would surprise me, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, she's getting it. So like you just keep saying yes and you trust that you can just let go of this worry that you're going to lose yourself. And maybe there's a story there because maybe you lost yourself. Maybe you had to give yourself up for somebody else or something else at some point, or you played small or you buried yourself and you don't want to. But what if you could let that go and then you get to have it all? Because Amy, who we were talking about before, Amy Tangerine, the more she has taught people, the more she's grown an audience, the more she's grown an audience, the more she's sold her own work, the more she's sold her own work, she's taught more people how to make more things. And she makes multi seven figures playing in her studio. To me, that sounds pretty fun. Awesome. But she does teach a whole lot and she doesn't feel like she's not herself. Right. Think about all of the people who go on to inspire and empower. And there's just so much to you. And I wonder what it would feel like if you just open your heart and just kind of breathe into a stand for the end. Mm -hmm. Right. Resonate there and just surrender. And then maybe some new possibilities can come in. Okay. What do you think? I think that sounds great. I think I'm going to like I've been working on these kids for like months running into like one obstacle over another and just kind of yeah so part of me i i think i'm just gonna put a workshop on the calendar put out everybody come on i I swear i need like sound effects (laughs) i'll put a workshop i'll put a date on the calendar and i'm gonna put it on the arrive community if anyone's interested um also if just speaking of getting a taste some of y'all may have seen this but um, i'm partnering with jen legro who does drinking the whole bottle her next happy hour is on November 20th. If I can just give a brief plug for that. We'll be paper quilling a little snowflake with materials you have on hand. Just we're going to cut up some paper, use a toothpick to do it. We're going to make it real, real scrappy. So if anyone's wanting a little taste, and then of course, Jen's going to have the cocktails like she always does for her happy hour. So exciting things coming. I love it, Carolyn. I think you got there. So many people are going to have such fun holidays. You know how many of those paper cuts people are going to be sending out? It's going to be so cool. Awesome. I love it. Thank you, Kathy. appreciate you. So fun. So cool to watch people kind of unwind things and, and come to some more clarity. I love doing these hot seats. I hope that it helps and, and shines light on some limiting thoughts that might be blocking you and, and helps show you a path so you can forge ahead and serve out of your heart. You guys, you can go give Carolyn some love and check out her gorgeous work. She's on Instagram and Facebook at edgecraftatx, and her website is edgecraftatx.com. We'll include the links to this and her Crafts with an Edge podcast and Facebook group in the show notes. And remember, if you want to be part of the Arrive community and sit in on one of these Q&As or get in on a hot seat, we have an amazing guest expert next month, Sherry Salata. So go ahead to kathyheller.com slash Arrive community. I'd love to see you there. Okay, as always, here are the takeaways. Number one, be responsible for the energy you bring into the room. When we change our energy, we change our life. We're creating our future in every moment. Number two, have tremendous compassion for yourself and make the decision every day to step into the possibility. Number three, vote with your heart. Open it up and love another person into life. It starts by loving yourself. Number four, the story is just a program. It's time to let it go. Number five, have a reunion with yourself every single day. Walk into your future instead of walking into your past. Be defined by your vision of the future, not by your memory of the past. Number six, when you go into business, you're selecting an audience and choosing a problem that they have. Put yourself on the hook to relieve that tension for them. 
Number seven, surrender to a greater mind, to a bigger path. Instead of saying, this is who I am, open up your frequency and say, I'm a person who serves. However I can contribute, I'm available. And number eight, stand for the end. Keep saying yes and let go of the worry that you're going to lose yourself. When you let go, you can have it all. Okay, now I want to share a couple more wins from our students. So Valerie said, I received a wonderful message from a customer about my bake shop and her words were especially meaningful because it was about baked goods that number one, I've never made before. She requested them. And number two, they had to be vegan. And number three, they were shipped. She loved them and I shared the message with her permission on Instagram and received so many nice words about it. It really felt great to know I'm making people happy via baked goods. Valerie, that's incredible. I'm so proud of you for saying yes to trying new things and making yourself available to be of service. You really went above and beyond for that customer and that can lead to just so much more magic. Everyone, you can go check out Valerie's delicious baked goods. Her Instagram is at Luna Bake Shop. And here's the next win. Annika said, I launched our online courses and coaching website to provide membership, business strategy, and professional development resources for entrepreneurs and small businesses. It's such a leap of faith to put yourself out there, but it feels so freeing to step into what truly feels like the thing you're supposed to be doing. I'm learning that it's not about perfection, but about courage. Thank you, Kathy, for being such an inspiration story and pushing us outside of our comfort zones. Way to go, Annika. Congratulations. Congrats on launching the courses and the website. I know you're on your way to help so many people who need your gifts. It's 100% about courage. And as you take those steps to break through your upper limit, you're going to find yourself in the flow and you're going to see how the confidence will start to emerge. You guys can go give her some love on Instagram at Be Awesome Company and her website is BeAwesomeCompany.com. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. I'm well aware that you have a million things on your to-do list and there's so many good episodes coming up. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Before I leave, I want to ask you, did this episode teach you something? Did it light a fire of possibility? Is there one person you know who would find this valuable? If so, then share it. Email them the link or text it to them or post it on Instagram and tag them and tag me at Kathy.Heller so I can repost it. Let's spread the light. Let's grow this movement together. I love you guys. And maybe I'll see you in our Arrive membership and I'll give you a hot seat. You can find out more information at kathyheller.com slash Arrive Community and come join me on Instagram. We're doing a bunch of giveaways this week and I'd just love to connect with you there. I'll leave you with a song and I'll talk to you on Monday.